The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Klaus Voigt, who is the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap. Welcome to the show, Klaus. Yes, nice to be with you. And Klaus is uh, talking to us from Germany. Just tell us a little bit about your background and... Uh, why you wanted to uh, write this book? Uh, well, yes. First of all, I'm a, a managing director from a small asset management firm here in uh, uh, Germany. Uh, plus, I'm the editor of uh, a of a, uh, a stock German stock market letter. Actually, uh, one of the most popular uh, contrarian stock market letters here in Europe. And before I did write this book, The Global Debt Dread, uh, I actually wrote a, an, an, another one, which was called uh, The Greenspan Dossier. And in this book, I was very critical about uh, Alan Greenspan's monetary policies. And uh, I predicted that uh, uh, the housing bubble was going to burst, uh, was going to burst plus get us a severe banking crisis plus recession. And uh, uh, the debt trap is, uh, if you will, just a uh, continuation, a, uh, an, an, an addition uh, to what we did actually write uh, a few years back about, uh, well, this wrong-headed uh, monetary and fiscal policies. Okay, so what we're going to do is talk today about uh, what has got us to where we are uh, what governments could do about it if they wanted to, and then the investment implications, because you do have investment suggestions coming out of your view of what's happening on the monetary and fiscal front. Is that correct? Yes, of course, that's correct, and that's an important point. Well, we 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 have to act and to react as uh, global investors, of course. So let's just start with the basics. What would you define a global debt trap to be? Well, yes, first of all, um, it's global in scope because it's in Europe, it's in Japan, and unfortunately, it's also in the United States, which is still the leading economy in the world. And it's not just global, it's also a trap because government debt has reached proportions definitely much too large to be serviceable anymore, which means there is no easy way out anymore. There are only options left that will bring hardship, options that will hurt. Let's go through some of the options uh, that you talk about as ways of getting out of it. The first one um, is uh, basically uh, austerity, I guess. I mean, that, uh, and, and certainly you're seeing that today in Europe that uh, what's being imposed on Greece and Ireland and Portugal and Spain is tremendous austerity. 
Uh, and they're saying in Europe that that's the solution, that if they have austerity, then they'll get back to health. And uh, what's the big problem here? Uh, uh, well, let, let me first mention one other possible theoretical um, uh, escape hatch out of a debt trap, which is, of course, economic growth or an economic growth miracle. Why a miracle? Because, uh, well, uh, the the debt load is so large uh, just average growth will not do we'd need uh, uh, something like a growth miracle but unfortunately uh, growth miracles aren't miracles indeed never they are always the outcome of a growth oriented market oriented policy and unfortunately neither here in europe but nor in the united states are politicians leading us into a more market-oriented world. Just the contrary. That's the reason why uh, I really think that uh, uh, an economic growth miracle is not out there in our future. And that leaves us, of course, with these other options, which will hurt, and as you just said uh, correctly, uh, austerity policies. And again, since the debt loads are so large, since we have kicked the can down the road for so long, we now need very, very severe, hard austerity measures. And just look at these European countries like uh, 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 Greece. Uh, of course, huge parts of the population don't like it. Of course, they don't. I, I can fully understand them because our Policymakers, our politicians, have promised them that it would be possible, well, to have growth without uh, market-oriented policies. They have promised us that government debt would never become a problem. Well, here we are now at uh, the end of the rope and have to realize uh, what economists should always have known. Well, government debt does matter and too much debt gets us into big problems. Well, for example, in China and a lot of Asia today, there is a growth miracle going on. I mean, China's growing at maybe 9%, India at 8%. Uh, it, I mean, here you have China, the most communist country in the world, uh, most centrally planned. Are they having the kind of market-oriented economy uh, policies that you're talking about? Because they're certainly getting a growth miracle there. Uh, Yes, at least um, they have they have implemented a much more market-oriented uh, uh, means or measures uh, than ever before. Um, so, in this sense, uh, they are moving towards a much more market-oriented. Uh, to, to become a much more market-oriented economy. Uh, but still, of course, they have large elements of uh, uh, central planning. Uh, and, uh, well, actually, it will be very, very interesting to see how they will now, in this current economic cycle, um, come to grips with uh, the inflationary problems they have got there with the huge credit growth they have got there and 
with their very own housing bubble they have got over there in China, which means there are problems in China as well, but at least the central planners have opted for much more um, market-oriented policies than ever before. And of course, there are uh, economists, there are uh, Chinese or experts on China uh, who promise us that at least economically, uh, the Chinese economy is 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 much freer, much more market oriented than even the United States. I'm not an expert on China. That's just what some of these experts are telling us. And uh, one thing is sure: if you go to China, well, you can see that there definitely has been tremendous growth during the past, uh, well, at least uh, uh, decade. So you think the Chinese are doing something similar to what the United States and Europe did in the mid-2000s as far as creating a bubble that then is going to burst? Yes. Yes, they definitely did. Um, uh, why? Um, if, you, if you look at uh, um, what a bubble actually is or, or how a bubble um, develops, uh, you will always come to a point where you have to see that's a necessary um, uh, increment uh, to get a bubble, ingredients to get a bubble, is always money and credit growth, huge, large money and credit growth. And that's exactly what's happening in China. And that's exactly, especially during the past two years, what's happened in China. Credit growth, well, something like 50% credit growth per annum, uh, which is huge, which is so so large, the world has never ever seen before in any country. And of course, uh, money and credit growth um, does lead to rising prices, either um, what we call inflation, which means uh, consumer um uh, price index rises or to what we call bubbles, which means uh, prices which are not uh, included in the uh, CPI, uh, like either stock prices or uh, real estate prices. And yes, we do see uh, a, 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 a real estate bubble in uh, China, which is actually larger than what we have seen in the United States or in the UK or in Spain. Uh, it's only comparable to what we have seen two decades ago during the, uh, uh, the late 1980s in Japan. That's actually what's going on in China here. So, uh, so we don't know when this bubble will burst, but we know it will. And then, well, China may be in for a real surprise. So is there a way of having a bubble and deflating at the so-called soft landing, or is, do they always burst and, and have a bad outcome? History, financial history tells us uh, that they have always a bad outcome, uh, at least when they have grown as large as, well, these bubbles here also in China have. So I really doubt that there is a possibility of a soft landing here. Let's hope I'm wrong in this point, but uh, financial history definitely gives us very little hope for a soft 
lending when a bubble has grown that large. And what we also know is that bubbles usually do burst after uh, the central bank has started to implement um, restrictive policies. And that's actually what's already happening in China and not just since a few months, but since a few quarters already. Uh, so China is actually at a very, very critical point right now in this very cycle here with this bubble. And uh, I expect uh, uh, this bubble to burst during the next, well, four quarters, one year. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, my uh, guest this hour is Klaus Vogt. Uh, he is the author of a new book called The Global Te Debt Trap. Uh, he is also the author of an ongoing newsletter uh, published by Weiss Research um, called uh, The International ETF Trader. And we'll get into more of uh, the global economic situation and how you can invest and profit from uh, what he's uh, talking about coming here. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Klaus Voigt. He is the editor of uh, the Money and Markets newsletter published by Weiss Research. He's also the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap, and he's speaking to us today from Germany. Welcome back to the show, Klaus. Nice to be with you. Hi. 
okay, so we were talking about the various escape hatches for the debt trap. The first one you said is a global economic miracle, which is happening to some extent in China, but you're worried about the debt trap blowing up there. Another escape hatch, you say, is major interest rate cuts. Uh, now, lately, you've had interest rates rising, particularly in the weaker countries like uh, Greece and Portugal, because people are so worried about them. So how would uh, global interest rate cuts help in the current circumstance? Well, in the current circumstance, uh, we are beyond the point where major interest rate cuts are an escape hatch anymore. Uh, in general, in theory, they can help. Uh, but we have actually played this card already. The, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, well, led the international central bank community to bring rates down to near uh, zero. So that's actually done. And you are absolutely right when you say we, we are already, well, uh, beyond this point where interest rates can actually be manipulated down in countries like uh, Portugal, Greece, Spain, and uh, now Italy, they have actually started to rise. So uh, did it work? I mean, did lowering interest rates help uh, for the time that they did lower them? Oh, yes, definitely they did. They did because uh, they stimulated, of course, they stimulated growth, uh, but they also, uh, well, they made possible a larger debt load to service a larger debt load uh, um, uh, uh, for these over-indebted governments and uh, rising interest rates, of course, quickly bring governments to a point when they cannot service anymore these huge debts. So you're saying another escape hatch, which has been used, is bailouts by other governments. There certainly have been bailouts so far for Greece, although they now need another bailout. Uh, Ireland, Portugal, they're certainly talking about Spain and Italy. Uh, why do bailouts not uh, solve the problem? Um, first of all, um, they always come with uh, a huge moral hazard problem. Um, the country, the governments uh, being bailed out have actually uh, no incentive to do anything better in the future. They get actually rewarded for having uh, behaved, well, so recklessly. Plus, and that's a much more important point, you can always only bail out, well, a minor problem. You can bail out, the European countries can bail out Ireland or Greece, maybe even both. But if you add Spain, you will soon reach a point uh, where even the countries who should pay for the bailout uh, haven't deep enough pockets. And when we then talk about, uh, well, countries like the UK or even about the United States, it immediately becomes clear uh, that a bailout uh, uh, alternative does just not exist at all. So in the case of Greece, for example, uh, they got a bailout a year ago, about 130 billion euros or something like that. Uh, but in return for that, they supposedly took these severe austerity measures. And now the next bailout they're getting, uh, they're asking for even more severe austerity measures. So the people of Greece would certainly not say uh, this is without conditions or this is easy or this is rewarding them for bad behavior. They're getting extremely strict uh, restrictions in order to take this bailout. What would you answer to the people who, who would think that? Hmm. Well, 
unfortunately, uh, the the government, the Greek government, and many of the, those receiving government handouts uh, just lived beyond their means for many, many years. And uh, well, there are some economic laws. You just can't break them um, forever. Uh, so they are just getting now uh, bills, their due bills. The day of reckoning has arrived. Uh, unfortunately, that the only answer I can give these people, of course, uh, I can understand that nobody wants to uh, cut back, cut back severely. Uh, but what's true for for each individual uh, has to be true uh, for governments as well. If you have lived beyond your means, well, the day of reckoning has to arrive uh, and it will arrive. There is just no other way. So the other escape hatch you're talking about is outright defaults. Um, and you're saying that that's inevitable, really. So what happens when you get the defaults of an EU country like Greece or Portugal, which you say is really unavoidable? What, what happens when that happens? Yeah. Uh, again, if you look at uh, financial history, uh, you will quickly realize that uh, outright defaults uh, are not an exception. We have had many of those, many hundreds, maybe 150 or something like that during the last uh, uh, 100 years or 150 years. So uh, default, is, default is not an exception. It's, uh, well, part of the normal reality. Uh, the exception has probably been uh, that we have seen uh, so few uh, defaults during the past uh, uh, decades here. That's the first thing you really have to realize, you really have to know. Um, the problem here in our modern world is uh, that the international banking system is so heavily involved and that so many banks in different countries have been allowed uh, to grow, well, what they call uh, too big to fail. Um, that's the real problem. Why? Because uh, uh, many of these banks, uh, of course, um, will, will have to, to make major uh, losses if we if if a country like Greece does default and uh, probably it has to default uh, well by maybe 50% uh, of uh, the total debt load here which means we would again have another major major banking crisis with uh, some major banks going over the brink and uh, uh, this systematic risk which uh, a major banking crisis uh, uh, will will bring. Uh, that's probably uh, the major um, point we really, we all have to fear, and that's a major point why uh, European politicians try everything to somehow escape this 
default. Uh, so the major problem is a banking crisis and not so much a problem for the defaulting country. If Greece actually were to default, it would, of course, have to opt out of the uh, EU, of the euro, uh, would very, very quickly have its uh, own currency decline massively and start anew. So for Greece, this would be a relatively easy way um, to get on a sound uh, path, growth path again. But unfortunately for those holding these debts, uh, it constitutes a major, major problem. What have we learned from the Lehman Brothers crisis, which was a banking crisis, very similar, where Lehman, in effect, defaulted on its notes and all of the banks and financial institutions holding those notes took a huge hit and brought the financial crisis on. What have we learned from that as it would apply to the current situation? Uh, well, I, I actually think uh, what we have learned is um, that the way Lehman Brothers were allowed to fail was the problem, uh, not the default as such. Why? Large and sometimes major banks uh, fail, well, not every year, but relatively often without a material effect on the economy. So the key, in my opinion, is to have regulations that allow these failures to occur, but with the minimal amount of disruptive liquidation. Just think of uh, Washington Mutual, for example, a huge bank which defaulted in 2008, but uh, uh, nothing uh, like a Lehman Brothers crisis erupted because it was done properly without disruptive liquidations. So I think it's important to recognize uh, that nearly every financial institution in 2008 did have enough debt uh, to its own bondholders on its balance sheet to absorb all of these losses without any damage to depositors or customers. But uh, uh, somehow our politicians decided that the bondholders had to be bailed out. It was not a bailout of depositors, but a bailout of bondholders. And just in the Lehman Brothers case, well, it were these disruptive liquidations uh, because it was not a bank, but an investment bank, uh, which, uh, which got us into deeper problems there. So bank regulations usually in, in, and intelligently allow uh, the FDIC uh, to cut away the operating portion of a financial institution from the obligations to its bondholders and stockholders. So again, the, the, the well, let's call it seamless failure of Washington Mutual is a very, very good example of uh, 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 this action uh, probably done. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Klaus Voigt. Uh, he is the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap. Uh, he writes also for the newsletter published by Weiss Research called Money and Markets. Uh, you can find out more about that at moneyandmarkets.com. We'll be back after this. Mm -hmm. 
market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that'll work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Klaus Voigt. Uh, He is the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap. He also uh, writes for a newsletter published by Weiss Research called Money and Markets, which you can find out about at moneyandmarkets.com. Welcome back to the show, Klaus. Welcome. Okay, so we have this huge amount of debt uh, buildup. There's these huge austerity programs going in. Before we get to the investment implications of this, how do you see this uh, scenario uh, playing out over the next year or so? Well, yes, uh, though we discussed uh, uh, escape hedge outright default, we discussed austerity policy. Uh, so we now have to discuss uh, another escape hedge, the, actually the one remaining we did not yet mention, uh, which is, of course, money printing. And uh, uh, first of all, to make sure uh, I really want to 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 clearly state that inflation or money printing inflation uh, is never something like a natural disaster it's not a hit, hitting us like a a tsunami it's always always and everywhere the result of certain inflationary policies it's always inflation as money and credit growth which makes some prices rising. So you really have to realize this to understand the role the Federal Reserve Bank and other 
central banks are playing here. Plus, you have to realize uh, that um, the scenario which is the most probable here in dealing with these debt trap um, uh, dangers um, is, is not really an economic forecast. It's always much, much more a political forecast. It's about which way do our politicians finally choose? Which option will they choose? They will have to make some severe choices, important choices. Uh, and depending on how they choose, uh, we will finally see either outright defaults or severe austerity, austerity measures or inflation. And uh, since inflation is for our politicians definitely the most convenient way to go. I really expect them uh, to print money, lots of money. Uh, this has an additional, well, um, attractive side for a politician at least, um, since these inflationary um, developments uh, are not so clear cut, they are with time lags and sometimes difficult to understand, this always leaves a politician a chance to present the public um, a scapegoat. It's not so clear if you declare bankruptcy, if you say, well, here I am and I say our government now is in default. Uh, well, it's clear that you have declared this. Uh, but if somehow inflation is accelerating, well, you can always think, point to, to some bad speculator or, or whoever it is you can try to make responsible. Uh, he actually isn't, but uh, a good politician will, will always find ways uh, to point to somebody else. I mean, there are movements around the world, for example, the United States, the Tea Party movement, that is really does not want to raise the debt and is very concerned about inflation and is wanting to have austerity and major cutbacks. You're seeing that already in England and Ireland and other places where there are, is a political constituency in favor of austerity instead of inflation. I mean, you see the conservatives got elected in England and, and have major cutbacks. So I mean, it's not as though all the politicians are only saying print money and the, the political uh, winds seem to be going in the favor of austerity instead of inflation. Is that not true? Uh, well, at least you are right. There is some hope that finally we, we come to a point uh, where there is a majority of voters uh, supporting a return to, uh, well, these policies which actually made the United States and, and also Europe uh, uh, wealthy. But, but whether this majority is really um, um, uh, available, uh, this will only show up, this, the, the proof will only show up uh, during the next crisis. When the next crisis hits, let's say the next recession is going to start, the next global recession or the next banking crisis is breaking out. 
then then we have to see what our politicians will do when it's really hurting. And unfortunately, history tells us uh, in these circumstances, they will again very quickly do the very same thing which they did in 2008 and 2009, which is print money like there is no tomorrow and to go into additional debts. That's unfortunately, again, a, a, a lesson of uh, uh, financial history. So if that's in fact what's going to happen, uh, we'll get another crisis, we're going to have more money printing, uh, more inflation. What are the investment implications? What would you want to be invested in and what would you want to be avoiding if that's in fact what happens? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the most probable scenario in my opinion. But uh, we will definitely somehow see in different parts of the world and during different times during the next few years, um, some um, parts of all three of these escape hatches. Uh, we will have money printing, we have, will have some defaults, we will have bunches of austerity measures in some countries, so it will be a, a relatively uh, mixed uh, picture. But in the end, I really think that money printing will be uh, the most important thing we have to prepare ourselves as an investor for. And of course, there is just one strategic investment, uh, which again, history tells us, has been uh, the best investment choice during times of inflation, and that being gold, of course. Though a strategic investment, which I'm recommending actually since uh, many, many years, uh, which we, we did recommend in my first book in the Screenspan dossier, which was written in 2004, uh, we already had a strategic gold investment, strategic really in a sense of uh, holding for the long term and uh, the long term being defined um, as as long as these reckless monetary and fiscal policies are going on, you have to hold a strategic gold position just as an insurance. Plus, and, yeah. And why does gold go up? Because uh, I mean, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there. It's pretty to look yeah. at. But uh, yeah. why is it that gold is the place that people want to put their money when there's a lot of money printing going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and really, I, I do not really like gold as an uh, investment. Why? Because it's not really an investment. It's not uh, uh, producing anything. Uh, it's not producing wealth. Uh, it's just giving us protection protection against wrong policy choices. It makes sure that you don't lose. You just can't grow rich with gold. You just can keep at least a part of, your, of, of what you have already. So uh, I definitely uh, would like to recommend uh, uh, stocks much, much more uh, than I uh, like to recommend gold. But unfortunately, we have to deal with, 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 with what's going on out there. And uh, uh, in, in looking at all these problems, uh, you, need, you need to protect yourself. And the best way to do it is via uh, gold. One 
other key prediction uh, of my book is that these current fiscal and monetary policies well are are guaranteeing that further dramatic uh, global financial and economic uh, crises uh, will develop over the coming years and of, as, as a as a consequence uh, you have to be as as an investor uh, much more flexible than ever before uh, that's also not such a, a a a good message for very conservative investors why uh, well if you are conservative uh, you do not like to be extremely flexible you want to uh, to have a strategic asset allocation but unfortunately during times of crisis uh, uh, again history shows uh, that volatility is rising dramatically both volatility in the economy and in the financial markets and that's actually what we have been seeing during the past years already and that's what i do expect for uh, the coming years as well so stocks are a necessary ingredient a necessary asset class to uh, grow your wealth but you have to be so flexible to be able to be in and out out even out of stocks from time to time why because the business cycle and uh, um, the uh, the stock market cycle which uh, uh, goes hand in hand with the business cycle uh, will be very very pronounced as pronounced as they have been during the, uh, uh, the past uh, uh, decade already which means I'm not surprised if we are going here now soon into the next cyclical downturn, which means the next cyclical bear market in stocks and the next recession in the United States and then in the rest of the world, which means if a recession gets going soon, you have to be out of stocks. Why? To be liquid, to get into stocks again at a much, much lower level than today's. That's what I mean by uh, huge flexibility. And as far as gold, which has gone from about 300 or so for a long time to now about 1,500, how high do you think gold could go, say, within the next two years or so? Well, that definitely depends on the degree of future money printing. Um, if we if we get um, if it gets out of control which unfortunately has happened in the past in different countries uh, twice in germany and we get something like a uh, uh, running inflation uh, gold will rise much 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 higher uh, if we just get inflation rates uh, well in the higher single digits like we had in the 1970s, uh, well, gold may rise four to five times, maybe to 4,000, 5,000 per ounce uh, during the next uh, five to seven years. Yeah, but there is, there is um, a, a possibility. I, I don't want to say a probability, but at least a possibility 
that these inflationary uh, policies really get out of hand. Uh, and then we, we would be talking much, much higher prices. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My Our guest this hour is Klaus Vogt. He is the author of The Global Debt Trap, a new book, also writes for the Weiss Research newsletter, Money and Markets. We'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business channel when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan welcome back to the money answer show this is jordan goodman your host my guest this hour is Klaus Voigt. He is the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap. He also writes for the newsletter Money and Markets, uh, published by Weiss Research. You can find out more about that at moneyandmarkets.com. Welcome back to the show, Klaus. Good evening. Hello. So we were talking about the uh, money printing and gold. So let's talk about the different ways to buy gold. And would you be a buyer of physical uh, gold coins to keep in your house or gold exchange-traded funds or gold mutual funds or gold stocks? What is the best way to buy gold for based on what you see coming? Yeah, for this uh, uh, insurance kind of position, this very strategic long-term gold position I just mentioned, uh, I recommend 
buying bullion or coins and to store them outside of the banking system. For the more tactical uh, and flexible, flexible part of uh, your gold holdings, uh, I, I like these uh, ETF products very much, uh, which track uh, like like this GL, GLD, the symbol is GLD, uh, which, is, which, which is tracking the gold price one-to-one. It is uh, extremely easily uh, uh, tradable at the New York Stock Exchange. It's a very convenient way to get in and out uh, of gold. Gold shares, of course, uh, are extremely volatile. Um, they are um, a vehicle um, to lever uh, your gold holding or your your expectations of a rising gold price. So that's uh, probably only for for those uh, uh, listeners here uh, who are willing. To, to live with uh, this huge volatility and are more uh, speculators than investors. So explain to me the um, rationale for holding physical gold. Say everything you say is going to happen. You have money printing, you have a lot of inflation, you've got defaults, uh, you've got austerity, all these terrible things going on, and you've got your gold coins. Um, does that mean you're going to be paying for things with your gold coins, or how does it actually ensure your safety when everything else is going crazy around you. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually uh, don't think that these uh, doomsday scenarios uh, uh, are, are possible here, which mean uh, I, I don't think we will ever need uh, gold for our daily business. But what I do think is, uh, or what I can really imagine is uh, um, what has happened in, in, in other countries multiple times uh, that inflation rates really get out of control and that a gold holding is something uh, you, you, you can fall back onto when things are um, starting anew. Um, you will be able... Um, you know, the world is not going to, 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 to come to an end, uh, nor is the economy going to come to an end. Uh, but maybe uh, the monetary system and the current banking system is, well, coming to an end or uh, coming to, to a point where major changes have to uh, be made. Then you will come in and trade in your gold for credit or for stocks. That's actually uh, what I want to do uh, with my gold holdings somewhere in the future. And how about other precious metals like silver and platinum? Uh, do you think they would have the same uh, value in this scenario? Um, no, not the same value. Why? Because there are much more industrial commodities uh, than gold, which is mainly a monetary uh, asset. Uh, the even even silver, but much more so platinum and palladium uh, are much more uh, depending on the business cycle, which means uh, like like oil as well, like the uh, um, other commodities, uh, which means uh, during recessions uh, their prices uh, usually slump severely, 
uh, and during a boom, uh, they have nice price rises. Uh, so to some degree, yes, of course, they also protect you against uh, uh, inflation, but not as purely as gold does. They are much more volatile, and that's what I do not. That's why I don't like them so much. So you do like gold. Let's talk about bonds and what would happen to bonds in the environment you're talking about with a lot of money printing and austerity and defaults. Yes, of course. Uh, history tells us that uh, bonds as an asset class uh, have been the worst investment in inflationary times. Um, short term, uh, the business cycle may be rolling over into the next recession, uh, which means I'm, I'm not in a hurry here to sell to get out of bonds, but they are not a long-term investment here. They may be fine for the next six or even 12 months, but longer term, I really think they are a very, very bad long-term investment. Because lately, they've been actually doing extremely well, particularly U.S. bonds. People are putting money into treasuries as the safe haven. And so you think all these people that are buying billions of dollars of bonds are, are foolish right now. Uh, yes, as a safe haven, but also, also um, because obviously the bond markets are, are smelling problems out there, which means either a recession or, or another banking crisis. Uh, that's usually been the case uh, um, when when bonds have rallied as much as they have now, and simultaneously bank stocks have been tumbling as much as they have here. This is actually a rare combination, uh, which historically uh, has only happened when either recession was in the offing or a financial or banking crisis. So saying the markets are telling us the financial crisis is coming because the bank stocks are coming down, even though bonds are doing well. Exactly. Yeah. Either a banking crisis or a recession. That's what history tells us. In the very long run, is there a certain point at which the game can't go on anymore? You can't keep printing money, your money can't be accepted, and the whole system blows up? Uh, well, yes. Um, system blowing up in, in, in a sense of the financial system, not necessarily the economy. Uh, we have these healthy infrastructure, we have very healthy corporations and international enterprises here in Europe and in the United States as well. They, of course, will not blow up. Yeah, like in 2008, they will, uh, they will survive a recession, even a severe, a, a much more severe recession than the one uh, we had uh, in 2008. Uh, but still, they will survive. That's why I said I am willing to shift from my gold holdings into stocks, but only, only when stocks are relatively cheaply in terms of fundamental valuation, when they are cheap in terms of fundamental valuation, which they are currently, unfortunately, not or not yet. Very good. Okay, well, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Klaus Voigt. Uh, he is the author of a new book called The Global Debt Trap. 
Uh, you can find out more about his writings at moneyandmarkets.com, which is published by Weiss Research. Thanks so much for being on the show, Klaus. You've really uh, given us a lot to think about. Well, real pleasure. Thank you very much for being able to be your guest. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll be back again with another edition of the show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.